I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, coming to you on this very hot, very muggy uh, Monday afternoon. Was hoping that we'd have some big news to chat about at the start of this week with regards to incomings. Don't know that that's the case, but there is some news doing the rounds, or there are at least some reports doing the rounds. And we're going to be diving into all of those reports right here on the Chronicles of Aguna. If I could quickly ask before we get into it, if you haven't done so already and you're watching us on YouTube, whether you're live with us now or whether you're watching this back on replay, please do hit the like button. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new. We're pushing towards our next milestone and we want to get there sooner rather than later. Your help is very, very much appreciated. A uh, few hellos to people in the live chat. There's plenty of you with us. Big hello to Gunner93, Chad Malone, who says cheers from Tulsa. Uh, big hello to you, mate. Big hello to Harvey, who was here uh, early doors as well. Uh, big hello to Boss, to Glenn Goldsworthy, uh, to Lynn, to Clock Seb, to Omar, uh, to CHHS fans, uh, to Aaron, who says, had a terrible day so far. Give me some good news, Harry. Need a pick-me-up. I wish I could give you the type of news that I know would pick every Arsenal fan up, but we don't really have uh, that kind of concrete evidence at the moment, if you want to call it that. But um, wish you well, mate. I hope whatever's happened is is something that can pass and uh, wishing you all the best, mate. And I hope your day gets better. Well, it, of course, it's going to be better. You're watching the Chronicles of Aguna Live. What more could you want? on a Monday afternoon. Let's say a big hello to Junior Gunner, who says, wish me well, Harry. COVID is killing me for the second time. Do you know what? I've heard of so many people in the last 48 hours, colleagues, friends that have gone down with it again. It is rife again, uh, which is surprising really, because, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, I thought in the summer it was better because we did more things outside and, and all of that. And people have their doors and their windows open and all that jazz. But it seems as though a lot of people are picking it up again. I guess there are no rules at the moment, right? Everybody's just gone back uh, to normal. So, um, yeah, it was always going to happen at some point. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Big hello to Craig, who is in Rhodes uh, at the moment. Uh, hope you're well, mate. Hope you're having a good holiday. Big hello to Nikomo, to Femi, uh, to Martin, to Sko, to Aston, to Isaac, uh, to Paul, to William, who joins us from Zambia. Hope you're well, my friend. Big hello to Sia. RB says, hello from the coldest room I could find. <laughs> I've got the fan on full blast. I don't care if you can hear it through the microphone. I don't care. It is bloody hot. Uh, it really, really is. Uh, big hello to Paul, uh, to Mangi, to Jimmy, who joins us from Croatia. Uh, Christian Hoover says he's just bought the Florida Cup tickets for the Chelsea match. Let's go. Uh, good stuff. And I uh, hope you enjoy it, mate. Big hello as well to James Steele from Bethnal Green, as well as everybody else in the live chat. Right, let's get into some of the stories. Let's get into some of the discussion. And let's start off with the talk about Alex Grimaldo. Alejandro Grimaldo uh, is his real name, his full name, I guess. Real name. His full name. Um, and of course, Arsenal have been linked with this player for a few days now. But those reports are starting to become more and more and more frequent. 
so what is the situation with Alex Grimaldo? Well, according to a bowler in Portugal, a Portuguese uh, football sport media outlet, whatever you want to call them, they say that Arsenal have approached Benfica and lodged a bid of seven million euros in order to try and bring the Spanish defender across to Emirates Stadium. Now, what I will say about this story at this point is that not a single British outlet, not a single one of the reputable sources that we normally turn to first and foremost when Arsenal stories start doing the rounds has jumped on this. Not yet anyway. It's been mentioned by a few of them. Charles Watts mentioned it in a video that he put out earlier today on his YouTube channel, but didn't go into it and said, look, when I get something more concrete on this, and he was referring to both this deal and the rumoured one for uh, Paqueta as well, he said, when I get something more concrete, we'll talk about this. But at this point, kind of wanted to keep his distance from a report that obviously he doesn't know anything about and, and fair play. You know, I would do the same in his position. So I think when we talk about this player, and we talk about the possibility and the likelihood of him ending up at Arsenal. We do have to remember that although there is a lot of noise coming out of Portugal, there isn't an awful lot coming from those who we know here in the UK have lines into the football club. So just approach this one with a little bit of caution. I'm preparing an episode. Well, I've put together an episode. I just have to sit and record it. Uh, going into Alex Grimaldo. Who is Alex Grimaldo? And it answers some of the big, big questions. You know, what would he bring to the team if we were to sign him? How has his career unfolded so far? And why, I guess the question a lot of people want to know is why, if he is that good, why, if he's a good option, is he available for as little, we think, as around about 7 million euros? All those questions answered in an episode dropping tomorrow. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. And you can keep across uh, Alex Grimaldo, all his attributes, what he would bring, perhaps some of his weaknesses as well. We go into it in a lot of detail. And I'm really, really looking forward uh, to sharing uh, sharing that with you all. OK, so in a nutshell, would it be a good signing? Well, I think what you've got to think about here is that, you know, Arsenal have been heavily linked with Lissandro Martinez throughout the duration of the window. And so there'll be a lot of fans out there that if Lissandro Martinez ends up Manchester United, at Manchester United, would be disappointed, would look at it and say that was an opportunity missed. That was an opportunity to bring in a player with incredible versatility who could play at left back, at centre back in defensive midfield and would add so, so much to this squad. But what I would say is don't compare him with Alex Grimaldo. They're not the same. In fact, they're, they're worlds apart. They're totally different players. In Lissandro Martinez, you're talking about, as I say, a versatile player who can be a solution in a number of different positions um, and, and who will be coming from a club where he's very much wanted and from a club who ultimately don't really have to sell, given they've already moved on a number of players this summer and brought in some significant funds. Alex Grimaldo's situation, from what we're led to believe, is very, very different in that, A, he isn't this versatile beast of a player that you can put in in a number of positions and expect to do a very good job. He is a left back. He is a left back, pure and simply. 
Also, his situation in comparison to that of Lissandro Martinez with his current club is very, very different. Alex Grimaldo has reportedly fallen out with Benfica. He only has a year remaining on his contract. And so the need for Benfica to find the solution and the want on the player side to get out is, is very, very different in comparison to Lissandro Martinez's situation. Now, yeah, we keep hearing that Lissandro is pushing and he wants to move to the Premier League. But the difference, as I keep saying, is the position of the clubs. You've got one club that don't need to sell, don't really want to sell. And you've got another club in Benfica with regards to Grimaldo, who would be very open and actually quite interested in finding a solution to the problem that is the Spanish fullback at the moment. They want to move him out. And so this feels like a much easier deal to be done. And what this would do is allow Arsenal, I would say, to then invest bigger money in the midfield, which I think is more of a priority than bringing in a backup fullback. And if you think about what the Athletic told us about Arsenal's interest in Lissandro Martinez, they very specifically said, and they wouldn't have said this without some indication, that Arsenal view Lissandro Martinez not as a centre-back, not as a defensive midfielder, but primarily as a left-back, which suggests that they're in the market for a backup to Kieran Tierney. It suggests that they're not entirely convinced by Nuno Tavares at this stage in his career, or they've come to the conclusion that Nuno Tavares' development would be better off being done elsewhere, perhaps, you know, without the spotlight that comes with being an Arsenal player. And um, and I think that they're looking for a solution at left-back in the event that Chiarantini picks up an injury. And it's interesting because when you go into Grimaldo and you, you really kind of home in on what his qualities are, what his strengths are, there are a lot of similarities between him and Chiarantini, statistically as well. And as I say, on that episode tomorrow, which you'll be able to check out right here on the channel and in podcast format, we'll be talking a little bit about that and why this is a very, if it does get done, different signing to the potential signing of Lissandro Martinez. Add to that, the Ajax are getting a little bit silly in their valuation of their player now as well. And you can understand why Arsenal have decided to turn their attention elsewhere. I would rather Arsenal went out, brought in Alex Grimaldo and a specialist centre midfielder then spent 60-odd million euros, which is supposedly what Ajax are asking for now, to bring in Lissandro Martinez as a bit of a jack-of-all-trades master of none. So I would prefer Arsenal to do this. Now, I would have loved Lissandro Martinez. This is not Arsenal going... Uh, this is not me, I beg your pardon, going, oh, look, we're not going to get him now, so I'm going to shit on the idea of signing him. No, that's not what I'm doing. You know, I, I think he's a very, very good player. But I think for Arsenal... The minute it got to 60 million euros, it became a little bit crazy and a little bit silly. And I think given that Arsenal have other priorities, other needs, other wants in this transfer window, I think they're better served going out and bringing in a backup left back on the cheap, as Alex Grimaldo appears to be, and then investing much more heavily in the centre of midfield, which I believe is a much bigger priority this coming summer or this summer that we're in. So that's my take on it. Let's touch on some of the other stories as well. And then uh, we will go over to the chat box, of course. Uh, interesting that today a number of Arsenal players returned to training. A number of the internationals that weren't involved in the trip to Germany have now returned to the club. The likes of Tomiyasu, Odegaard, Saka, Torreira, Xhaka, Gabriel, William Saliba, all pictured uh, in uh, Arsenal's uh, training facility today. 
and those pictures are on Twitter uh, and on the club's website for you to check out if you'd like to do so. So for those guys, preseason really does begin now. Hopefully they can get up to speed ASAP. And uh, Mikel Arteta, I'm sure, is going to use the minutes in the preseason games over in America to try and get these guys up to speed a little bit quicker. Now, we understand that they've been doing their own fitness work, that they've been, you know, making sure that their condition is is uh, suitable coming back to training. But obviously, that match practice, that match sharpness, all of those things, um, you know, are, are really important. And, and you need to to get those from preseason in order to be in the best possible shape going into the start of the campaign. So um, good to see those guys back and hopefully uh, we can get them up to speed ASAP. Let's talk Gabriel, the Arsenal central defender, rumoured to be a target for Juventus. We've heard that time and time again over the last few months. But Alfredo Pedula, an Italian journalist, put out a report yesterday in which he said that Juventus have now made contact over the Brazilian defender. Juventus have made an approach to Arsenal over potentially signing the Brazilian defender. And the price that Juve have in mind is 40 million euros. Now, let me just say something, Juventus. Chog on. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. I don't believe that Arsenal have any interest at this moment in time in selling Gabriel. They invested a lot of money in him not so long ago. And he's clearly a big, big part of what Arsenal are building at the moment. If anything, it's more likely that Arsenal are going to tie him down to a new and improved contract. That's going to be way more likely, in my opinion, than Juventus coming in and taking the player. And this is where I get a little bit annoyed because, you know, those who follow Italian football very, very closely will know that Juventus do this a lot. Okay, they they go in, they unsettle people, they sell them the dream. And then they worry about getting them out of their club afterwards. You know, they try and turn people's heads. And in Italy, domestically, in recent seasons, they've been able to bully some of the smaller clubs into parting ways with some of their most valuable assets in cut price deals. They've been able to get so many players on the premise that they're not going to pay for them now, but they're going to pay for them in a year's time. They've been able to snap up people uh, just ahead of them becoming free agents by paying silly signing on fees and giving them wages that they then end up two years down the line scrambling around to try and get off of their wage bill. Aaron Ramsey being a great example of that to to link it back to Arsenal. So hands off Juve, you're not getting him and you're not going to be able to bully a club like Arsenal into selling one of their most prized assets, one of their most important players, for 40 million euros. If you if that's what you've got in mind, jog on. Honestly, we are not a Serie A club. And I don't mean that in a in a negative way. I, I love Serie A. For me, it's probably my favourite league in the world. Even probably above the Premier League. It just doesn't have Arsenal in it. That's the only problem. But what I would say is, you know, you might have got it your way. You might have kind of built this reputation of being untouchables and almost godlike in your own league, whereby you can go and pluck out all the talent from wherever you want. But the gulf in financial muscle between those in Serie A, and I always talk about this, and the Premier League is just so huge that there's not a chance that they'll be able to afford to put the type of money on the table that we, um, you know, that we will be tempted by, that we would bite at. And so, yeah. 
that's where I'm at. Um, you know, it seems like a a story designed to try and unsettle the player. Maybe it's coming from Gabriel's agents. Maybe they are wanting to get that Juve interest out into the open because, as we understand it, they're seeking a contract extension and improved terms at Arsenal. So perhaps either fabricating or, um, what's the word, or blowing up the interest that is quite minimal or no, no that, that that's not fair over exaggerating the interest that maybe does exist in some capacity is um is a good way of maybe getting arsenal to the table a little bit quicker i don't believe that gabriel wants the jump ship at this point i think he's he's delighted with the fact that he is a starting center back at a club the size of arsenal he had a very good season last season in my opinion with the exception of a couple of games for the most part, I thought he was he was sound. He was physical. He was great. I thought he brought a lot out of Ben White as well. And I thought as that partnership developed over the course of the season, Arsenal looked very, very good. The problem was when they weren't available. The problem was when we had no fullbacks. And the problem was when we had to start tinkering things about at the back. But for the most part, those two uh, were brilliant. And, um, you know, now they've got William Saliba to challenge them as well. And I think he'll move ahead of Rob Holding in the pecking order. And all of a sudden, there's some very, very healthy competition at the back. So Juve back off. It's not happening. <laughs> Elsewhere, I just wanted to touch on uh, some of the rumours that Martin Odegaard is going to be named as the club's new captain in the not-too-distant future. I think a lot of people would pick Martin Odegaard. I think it's a, a possibility that's been discussed for a while. Um, and I think that, you know, there is probably some truth to this, I expect, Arsenal will, will make some sort of announcement with regards to the Norwegian and his role at the club. And I think this makes sense because, you know, he's clearly a very, very intelligent player. He perfectly embodies what Arsenal are trying to build, a project with young, hungry players. Martin Odegaard is very hungry. You know, he really struggled at Real Madrid to have an impact. He struggled to impose himself. He struggled uh, to, you know, to show them what he could do. He got the opportunity to go out on loan, but never really had a home. And Arsenal is now his home. And you can see when when he's kind of with Mikel Arteta, when they're kind of exchanging notes during games, that there's clearly a strong relationship between the two. Mikel Arteta went all out to get him, to bring him back um, to the football club after that loan spell. Arsenal waited. You know, there were other targets available. There were other options there, but they decided to pursue Martin Odegaard. And it meant that they had to wait till really late in the window. But as I always say, if you know that a player is the right fit, if you really do believe he's the one, you shouldn't compromise on that. And if you have to see it right through till the end, then so be it. You know, that's that's the way it goes. Um, but look, his, his relationship with the group seems to be very strong. His relationship with the manager seems to be very strong. He's clearly someone who leads the press for Mikel Arteta's side in a lot of ways, who's impacted brilliantly in his first full season as an Arsenal player. And I think he's a great candidate. I really, really do. Um, so, yeah, I'd be pleased with that decision. He is my choice. The other choice, the other player that people talk about quite a bit, the other name that is often floated around is that of Kieran Tierney. But with his injury problems, with his injury record, it's impossible to make him the captain, in my opinion. You don't want a captain that's absent. And while I admit and agree and acknowledge that the role of a captain isn't quite what it was many, many years ago, um, you still want someone that's present. 
you still want someone that's there more often than not. I think nowadays, though, it is more about being a role model, being the manager's lieutenant, if you like. Some will call it the manager's pet. But you know what I'm trying to say? Out on the pitch. And I think that is is what the modern day captain probably looks like. And Martin Odegaard fits into that, in my opinion. So I'd be delighted if he was named the new Arsenal captain. And I think we'll probably get that uh, news and that announcement in the not too distant future. Let's touch on Lucas Torreira, who again has been speaking about his future. Can't stop speaking about his future at the moment. I get it. He's desperate to try and engineer a move somewhere where he feels he's going to be appreciated, loved and given the opportunity to fulfil the potential that he undoubtedly showed earlier on in his career. And he's been talking more recently about Roma. Uh, Roma, a club who, of course, uh, tried for an Arsenal midfielder last summer, but when push came to shove, didn't have the money or didn't want to pay the money to make that deal happen. Now, I find this a little bit strange because Lucas Torreira, in my mind, is a defensive midfield player, a deep-lying midfield player. And Roma have just signed Matic. Now, I know that Matic is in the twilight of his career. Um, that bond with Mourinho is is probably what spurred that transfer, etc., etc. But I don't really know that he's going to go straight into that Roma team. Now, make no mistake about it. He had a great season in Serie A last year. He was very, very impressive at Fiorentina. But as of yet, they've not been able to or not been willing to make an offer that has tempted Arsenal into selling the player. Lucas Torreira has named the price that he believes he's available for. And he's put plenty of those come and get me please out into the uh, universe. But as of yet, nobody has come in. He's talked about Mourinho now. He's talked about Roma now. Is that another potential option? Maybe. But personally, I don't see it. I don't see it. We'll see. Also, Kyle Walker-Peters, another name being mentioned with regards to Arsenal by The Athletic. Uh, Arsenal are said to be keeping tabs on his situation in the event that they decide to jump into the market for a right back next season. Now, Carl Walker-Peters has also played at left back at times, and that may be something that appeals to Arsenal. But I don't think he's the same at left back. I, I think it's very rare that you find fullbacks that can be equally as effective on either side. Uh, but Carl Walker-Peters is someone that at Arsenal are understandably, no, not understandably, understood to. Uh, have an interest in. That's according to The Athletic. Now, they didn't make a big song and dance about this. There wasn't a massive report about it. So if you're searching, you might not find it. But there was a piece about Carl Walker-Peters um, in which Arsenal were mentioned among a number of other clubs that are said to be keeping an eye on him. What else have we got? Uh, Lucas Paqueta, a player that we talked about yesterday, a player that Arsenal are being linked with. Well, we're hearing that Arsenal's interest in the player is legit. It is real. Um, but again, no official bid has been made of yet. Is this another smoke screen or is this the player that Arsenal are seemingly prioritising ahead of Lucas Torreira? Who knows? We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, but we're, we're hearing from multiple outlets that that interest from Arsenal in the Brazilian is very much real. But we shall see. Just finally, uh, from me, before I go over to the questions, before I dive into the chat box and start filling the chat box up, um, this is the final week to enter our shirt giveaway. Now, we are giving away three home shirts, uh, one to our group of members and two uh, to the wider uh, subscribership. If you want to enter, 
You need to go over to Twitter at Chronicles underscore AFC. Follow the instructions in the pin tweet. Alternatively, if you don't have Twitter, and I know there are some of you that don't, you can email me. The address is chroniclesafc at gmail.com, and I will enter your name into the draw. Now, I've been getting loads and loads and loads of emails, and I'm slowly working my way through replying to them. So if I haven't replied yet, please don't take it personally. Um, I'm just trying to get through them at every opportunity. And at the moment, it's not really happening as quickly as I'd like it to. But I have 100% received all of your submissions and all of your names will definitely be going into the draw. So don't stress uh, about that. Thank you as well for some of the kind words that you guys have been dropping in the emails as well. I don't know if you're trying to get me to pick you. Uh, if that's the tactic, that's the ploy. <laughs> but I appreciate it nonetheless. Flattery will get you everywhere, as they say. Uh, just quickly as well, uh, some news that I read earlier on today. Uh, Mesut Ozil, contract terminated again by Fenerbahce. His relationship with that club is done and dusted. No surprise, uh, given the way things went down at Arsenal. And we've also seen some pictures on social media from William Saliba's agent, which suggests that maybe, just maybe, his client and Arsenal are getting ready to make an announcement with regards to his future. And I'll tell you what. If he does end up signing a new contract and goes on to have a very good season, there's a lot of Arsenal fans that will have egg on their faces because of how critical they were with the way that Arsenal dealt with him. Now, I know they made mistakes and I'm not denying that. They definitely made a mistake when they opted not to register him and they didn't manage to get him out on loan. And therefore, he sat around for six months. I completely agree that Arsenal got that horribly, horribly wrong. But if he comes back and impresses and signs a new contract with the club, I think the loan move will be looked back on as a stroke of genius. It would be looked back on as the loan move that turned him from a boy into a man and the one that gives us a much better centre-back than the one that we initially loaned out. So let's see how that goes for sure. OK, right, let's take some of your questions and thoughts from the chat box. Avic says, do you think Tavares will be loaned out or sold this window? I think that if we get a left back in, there's a good chance that he'll be loaned out. I don't think he'll be sold. I don't think Arsenal look at Nuno Tavares as a lost cause. I really do think that they still believe that there's something he can bring to the table. They still believe that there's a player in there and they still believe that they can extract that. But maybe the next phase of his development needs to happen outside of the Arsenal spotlight, outside of the Arsenal sphere, somewhere where he's going to be under less scrutiny and where he can rebuild his confidence I think at times it looked like he lost in the second half of last season. Uh, let's go over to this one um, from Peter Capelli, who says, my buddy is getting married in Canterbury on December the 2nd. And I'm flying in for it. Should I tell him to move the wedding to a weekend that isn't in the middle of the World Cup? My experience of social events during World Cups um, is bad. I mean, I've been to so many weddings or no, let me rephrase that. I've been invited to so many weddings that I chose not to attend because of sporting events going on on that day. I also have attended weddings where sporting events have been going on only to see all of the guests literally sitting with their smartphones and iPads around the table watching the game. And I just think that that just spoils your day. If I were getting like, I remember when I was booking my wedding, right? Um, we booked it for June the, I want to say, I want to say June the 3rd, 
Initially, we left from the venue. It was all done. The paperwork was signed, the deposit paid, everything. And I got in the car to drive home. And I remember turning around to the missus and saying, something doesn't sit right with me about that date. There's just something that isn't right about that date. And it's going to bug me. So I sat there as I was driving home all the way, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. What could it be? And when I got home, bear in mind, this was two years in advance. I Googled the Champions League uh, final date. And it was that weekend. And I decided that, okay, Arsenal weren't going to be in it. But whatever happened, particularly if there was an English club in it, the majority of my guests, and I know my mates and I know my family would have been sitting around the table on their phones rather than enjoying the day that I've worked my absolute bollocks off to pay for. So, yeah, for me, it's a no-go, but, you know, each to their own. A <laughs> uh, big shout out to David Keith, who says, uh, hi, Harry, seriously, I love your show. Thank you, mate. He says, if the rumours about Partey are correct, then we need two midfielders, and I would stick with Torreira and sign Tielemans. Again, look, I don't know that any of that talk is is correct. And I don't want to be drawn into it really, because I think it's so dangerous to speculate about a subject as serious when we actually know nothing. Um, I don't think Torreira stays. I, I don't think there's any way back for Lucas Torreira at Arsenal, not necessarily from Arsenal's point of view. Um, I think that if they had to keep hold and if they had to use him, I think they would. I don't think there'd be a problem there really, but I think too much has happened. Um, I think the noises that Lucas Torreira makes kind of go against what Mikel Arteta said about people that want to be on board and the need to kind of stick with those people and help those people, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately focus on those people. So yeah, I, I, I don't see it, mate. I don't see a world in which Lucas Torreira is a priority. I see him being a squad player. I see him backfilling positions in our desperate need, but I do think there's a want and a will and a desire from all parties to get that deal done and get him out of the club. Um, ASAP. Okay, let's move on. Where was I in the chat? I've lost track of where I was in the chat. I hate when that happens. Um, what else have we got? I'm going to pick out a few random ones. So apologies if I do uh, miss some of your questions. Uh, I think it was Lynn who said, who, did I, who do I think is going to be the mystery signing? This summer, honestly, I don't know. And that's why they're a mystery. Um, you know, we've we've seen Arsenal already move very, very quietly under the radar to do the Fabio Vieira deal. And um, yeah, you, you can't rule anything out at this moment in time. What else have we got? Uh, lots of you agreeing with me on the Odegaard captaincy thing. I think it makes a lot of sense personally. It is what it is. Uh, here we go. Uh, Sooty FM says, why is it with every player we are interested in or bid for that United and Newcastle are looking at them too? Are there no other players teams can go for or are they letting us do all the research for them? It's probably an element of that. You know, it's probably an element of them almost letting Arsenal go first in terms of making that approach and getting an understanding of, you know, what it's going to take to get that deal done. And then that putting them in a, a better position or a position of knowledge from which they can negotiate themselves. I think there are loads of players out there. And I, and I actually think, you know, as I've said repeatedly, that there are players out there that Arsenal are, are really interested in, really looking hard at, that we just haven't heard the names yet. And and I think that in a lot of instances, some of these stories can be smoke screens. 
deliberately put out by a football club. Other stories can be agent driven, whereby an agent is looking to gain either something from his client's existing club, maybe a new contract, maybe a pay increase, or he's looking to spark a bidding war and he's looking to get their player, their client out of wherever they are. So I think a lot of these reports are driven by different places and different people with different interests. And so look, I do think Arsenal were interested in Rafinha. I do think Arsenal were interested in Lissandro Martinez. But if they were the only targets, particularly in Lissandro Martinez's case, Arsenal would have just gone and tabled the money that Ajax want because they can afford it. And similarly, they would have gone and tabled the money for Rafinha that Leeds want because we understand now that Barcelona are going to do a deal that's made up significantly of add-ons. So I think that Arsenal are out there doing their business, doing it quietly and um, and uh, and trying to to get things done under the radar. And so that we don't have this problem of bidding wars, et cetera, et cetera, moving forward. Stanky J says, what's worse? Arsenal, cl- Arsenal fans claiming something is done and creating videos about either a transfer or a new captain or people claiming Arteta needs to go because we go 2-0 down in a preseason friendly. I'm tired. <laughs> There's always going to be people um, that you know, that overreact to certain situations. You know, I think that what we what we face as content creators, as podcasters, as people who work in the football media space, whether that be fan media or, or traditional, and I, and I can say this because I, I work in, in both. You know, I've got that experience in both now. The challenge that people in this industry face is that during the summer, they need to find stuff to talk about. And I think... It makes for good content. I think, I mean, I look at the viewing figures on this YouTube channel in the last month when the transfer talk has really been at its highest, where it's really been at its peak. And I would say that they've doubled in that time. So there's clearly an appetite and an interest in this type of content. But I think as a consumer, you've just got to be careful that you don't take everything as gospel. You understand that we are discussing reports from other people not making things up ourselves and we're sharing our views and our thoughts and our opinions on them. I think that's different to to trying to get ahead of the curve and pretending that you know something when you don't. And I don't like that. I disagree with that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that obviously as long as you condition yourself to understand exactly what the content is that you're consuming, then I don't really see that um, as a massive issue, as for people who were losing their heads because we were two 0 down in a preseason friendly, well, I think they need to give themselves a good wobble because, uh, yeah, there's a problem there for sure. Uh, let's take this one uh, from Jake Krenke. Boris Johnson has resigned. Are you going to put your name forward for the Tory leadership? You would be a great politician. I'm not a Tory man, uh, so no, <laughs> um, no, I. I I don't have any interest in politics. Like I've got a, like a passing interest. When something big happens, I watch the news for a bit, um, try and read up what I can. But I'm not a big politics person, if I'm being honest. I don't know enough about it to be completely nailed to one party or the other. Um, so, yeah, I- I'll stay away from that. Uh, Wondering Minstrel says, uh, Hi, Harry, can you confirm J-Lo maybe joining you as a surprise guest on the Chronicles before the season kicks off? Um Ari, Juve, they can't pick enough olives <laughs> to afford Gabby. Ciao, ciao, Juve. Nice try. Uh, the first part of your comment, 
Can I confirm J-Lo? Mate, if J-Lo was to come round for the afternoon, I can tell you I would not be sitting in front of my laptop and in front of a camera chatting to you guys. I'm not saying I'd be able to do anything else either, but I'd uh, I'd certainly be uh, trying my (laughs) A-game. Oh, man. Uh, The J-Lo joke. It never dies. Uh, Godwin Adejo says, do you think we will go for both Paqueta and Tielemans? I don't. Um, I think if that was the case, I think we'd have already moved for Tielemans. I feel like Arsenal feel like there's something that they'd prefer to do ahead of signing Yuri Tielemans. We don't know what that is. Is it Paqueta? Don't know. Is that a smokescreen? Don't know. That's the honest answer. It's really, really difficult um, to, to work it out. Uh, Sweet Munchkin says, do you disagree with Tom Canton that we should go for N'Golo Kante? Has Tom Canton said that? I don't know. Um, I Yeah, but I would disagree with that if that is what he said. I don't know that it is, but if it is, um, I'll take your word for it. I'm not interested in bringing in more Chelsea rejects that are going to just be a massive drain on our wage bill. I'm just not interested in the slightest. I like N'Golo Kante. He's a fantastic player, but my God. Um, his best years are behind him and it just completely goes against what we're trying to build here. So no, I, I don't want him. I understand you need the blend of experience, but he's had a lot of injury problems as well. And you just feel like with him and Thomas Partey, you just end up with the treatment table being uh, getting more action than the center of midfield. That's how I see it anyway. But yeah, let's move uh, on and see what you guys are saying. Uh, O'Melly says, uh, how much money do you think we can recoup from sales this window? Well, let's quickly try and work this out. If we think about the players that we're going to move on, potentially, we're talking Leno, we're talking Bayerin, we're talking Torreira, we're talking Maitland-Niles, um, probably Pablo Mari. Does Reese Nelson fall into that category? Let's put him in there for the sake of shits and giggles. So if I'm talking about those six players, I think Leno probably bring you about £10 million. We understand that's roughly what the discussion is at with Fulham at the moment. It looks as though that might happen. Bayerin, be surprised if we got £8 million for him, but let's let's put £8 million as a best-case scenario. Lucas Torreira, £10 million tops. Maitland-Niles, again, contract situation, £10 million. Pablo Marie, £5 million for me. Reese Nelson, probably about five as well. So you're talking 10, 20, 30, 40, 48 million by my calculation. I think that's around about what Arsenal get. Unless someone like Everton comes in and says, we're going to give you 35 million pounds for this season's equivalent of Alex Iwobi, which I, I don't see happening. I just think that the market is really difficult at the moment. I think a lot of the players that we're talking about, particularly Bellerin, Turin, they know. Bellerin and Torreira, they they know where they want to be. They know where they want to go. That they'll they're going to probably wait for those deals to happen, which means our options are limited with regards to the play the teams that we can sell to. Because ultimately, the players got to agree as well. And in the cases of those two, particularly when you're talking about clubs abroad, Pablo Marie as well probably going to go Italy most likely. Talking about clubs that don't have an awful lot of money to spend and that are probably going to wait till the end of the window to try and get as much as they possibly can in terms of value for money. 
Nikomo says, hi, Harry. Do you think a single specialist midfielder is enough for the season? I think we need two. A centre midfielder and a central defensive midfielder. We need the drop-off for Partey to not be as bad as it is now. I completely agree with that. But I would say that I think Arsenal have plans for Lokonga this season. I think he'll be involved. So I think there's probably a balance to be towed between bringing in what we need, but also not blocking the development or blocking his path. I think, you know, it depends as well on, on what Fabio Vieira is seen as being. You know, I, I've said to you guys that I don't think he'll start in the middle of the pitch. Um, you know, in, in his, his early Arsenal days, I think he'll probably be used in slightly different areas, probably from the right, maybe from the left at times to kind of bed himself in because I don't know physically that he's quite ready. But I think if we got one top-class specialist midfielder, I'd prefer that than trying to spread ourselves too thin across two positions and ended up with two average players. I think they're a transformative players and I think we, you know, we should be looking to do that if possible. But that's uh, that's my view. Uh, what else have we got? Just scrolling uh, through. Uh, I've just seen a comment from uh, Tom Canton. Where is it? Uh, here it is. Drop a like on the video, people. Don't freeload. Exactly. Don't freeload. And then he says, I take it back. Don't like the video now. That's because I disagreed with the N'Golo Kante thing. But jokes aside, uh, there are nearly 700 of you with us right now across the multiple platforms. We've only got 169 likes on the board. Let's get that up to 300 right away. There should be no excuse. There's more than enough of you watching. Uh, also, please do subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. That really, really does help. And we'd love to have you. If you'd like to become a member as well, support the channel, support me in the quest to deliver you daily Arsenal content, then you can do so by clicking the link in the description. We've had a few more of you sign up over the last few days, which is amazing. So thank you so, so much uh, for that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, big hello to Angel Hernandez, who says, new to your channel, great content. Thank you. Question, would you consider Zielinski and Lozano from Napoli? Um, not players I really thought about in the past as potentially coming to Arsenal. I like them as individuals, but are they cut out for the Premier League? I don't know. Um, no, they're, they're not on my list of wants at the moment, if I'm being honest. And again, I just I just think that Napoli is such a difficult club to deal with. Um, and, and, you know, those who cover Serie A a lot closer than I do will tell you that as well. Really difficult owner, really difficult club to deal with. If they don't want to let someone go, they normally dig their heels in. And I, I, just, I just don't really want to get drawn into these long-lasting sagas that we keep coming across every single summer where the name is mentioned right at the start of the summer. And we either never sign them at all or we do it right at the back end of the window. I just can't take it anymore. It drives me crazy. What else have we got? Uh, big thank you to uh, V-Dub, who subbed from Australia. Thank you so, so much. Really, really do appreciate your support. Um, I'm going to take one more question before I jump off because we've been going for around about 45 minutes. It's 5 p.m. here in the UK. I'm going to clock off, put my feet up, enjoy some of the sunshine and get ready to watch uh, some of the women's Euros tonight. Looking forward to watching England against Norway. That should be a cracking game. Um, where was there was a comment that I wanted to pick up and I've lost it because the chat has updated. Hold on a second. 
Here we go. Let's take this one from Stanky J. What should we do with Pepe? I think he's a great player, but doesn't suit our playing style. Is there any way you see him playing next season? Well, I think if he stays at the club and Arsenal don't go out and buy a winger, then there is a chance that he plays quite a bit, actually, probably in the Europa League, probably in some of the cup competitions. And I think the Europa League is a good level for Nicolas Pepe. And it could be, to a degree, the rebirth of him. You know, maybe I'm getting a bit carried away and saying that. Maybe I'm saying what I want to happen rather than what I think is going to happen. But I think he's 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 good enough to impact in that competition. We need to give Bukayo Saka a rest, a break. And particularly in the group stages of that, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be annoyed at Nicolas Pepe being the guy that gets tasked with that, because if it helps him build his confidence and then he can help us in the Premier League and then it, or it drives his value up ahead of January or the following summer, then yeah, you know, I'm okay with it. Cause I think, I think that he's one of those people that I, I don't think he's ever going to be what we thought he was going to be when we signed him. I don't think he's ever going to be the go-to guy on the right wing. I just don't see it. Having said that, I don't think he's complete shit either. I think he's got a lot. I think he's got a lot to bring to the table. I think he can score goals. I think he's arguably one of the best finishers at the club, even still. I think he's someone who's unpredictable, who can cause people problems. I think there's still some value to Nicolas Pepe for the squad. But I don't know that he wants to be just that anymore. And that means that, you know, he's probably open to a move elsewhere, which means that he's not fully committed, which means that maybe we should try and cash in now while we while we can. A lot of thoughts going around my head about Nicolas Pepe. But listen, if we started the season with him as a backup to Bukayo Saka and playing in the Europa League and, and in the cup competitions, I wouldn't be against that, to be honest with you. And you've got to think, like, we're obviously not going to sign Rafinha. So we're probably going to get a winger that's maybe up and coming if we get one at all. I don't think that's the priority. But we're probably going to get one that's up and coming, probably one that maybe doesn't have Premier League experience. And therefore, that player that we bring in might have a better future at Arsenal. But right now, in the here and now, probably isn't going to be a much better player than Nicolas Pepe, if that makes sense. Probably doesn't, if you're listening in. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that if you go and bring in an up and coming winger to come in for the future, that's great. And in the long run, you'll benefit from that more. But I do think that when it comes to someone like Nicolas Pepe, who's proven he can score goals, who's proven he can set things up, who's proven he can be a handful in certain competitions at a certain level, then I think that he could do equally as good a job as that up-and-coming winger that I'm hypothetically saying we're going to sign. So, yeah, I'm not massively upset by the prospect or, or worried or concerned by the prospect of him playing at times next season. But I also appreciate that if the right offer comes along, then you can just do it, you know, because the future looks bleak for him at Arsenal in the long run anyway. OK, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. It is very, very much appreciated. Let's just check in where we are on the likes. I set a target of 300. We've only got 212 on the board. Come on, let's get there. ASAP smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new and keep your eyes peeled for our Grimaldo special coming out tomorrow. And listen, if you're looking for like a, a real in-depth tactical analysis with lots of numbers and lots of diagrams and charts, I'm not the person for that. Go over to Tom's The Guna Talk TV. I'm sure there'll be a tactical breakdown coming up on Grimaldo at some point. 
check that out. Go over to FK's Latte Firm, where they do some excellent breakdowns as well. Mine is not going to be that. I'm just forewarning you. Mine is going to be the conclusions I've come to based on some of the research I've done around the player today. Um, I'm going to be sharing some stats and facts to back up my points and, and, you know, hopefully enhance my arguments. But I'm going to be looking at the player from my eyes and it's not going to be 100% statistically based. It's going to be uh, based on the eye test for me. It's going to be based on my opinions as well. So it will be very much my thoughts on Alex Grimaldo as opposed to a load of stats or in-depth diagrams, which there are people out there that do a much better job of that. But anyway, I'll catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the sunshine and we'll be back very soon with more. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.